Welcome to Tardigrade Central. So the big question is this. What's so interesting about tardigrades? And what impact can they possibly have on science and on our daily lives? This podcast will give you the answers. My name is Mike Shaw and welcome to the Tardigrade Podcast. This podcast was made from a video done a few years ago. It was an interview on a show called Inspiring Honesty, hosted by Greg Bray. This show, Inspiring Honesty, was a weekly show on the New Covenant channel of Bob Graves. They interviewed me after my Vice Media video, First Animal to Survive in Space, became very popular. Unfortunately, we've had to cut that particular video out of this interview for copyright reasons. So here's the interview with Greg Bray and Bob Graves. Hi, this is Inspiring Honesty, and I'm your host, Greg Bray. I'll be joined again by Bob Graves, and today we have a special guest, a Mike Shaw, who's a naturalist from Virginia. He's going to be talking about tardigrades, which are a fascinating organism um, that I, I really think uh, bring a huge wealth questions and different ideas to the table. And I think it's a, a, a topic we're discussing and that should really get people's minds thinking. And actually, before we bring Mike onto the show, I wanted to show you the video that inspired us to bring him onto the show today. And, and then we're going to give him an opportunity to take questions from you. And we're going to talk more about uh, the, what this video can lead into. So um, Without further ado, this is a video from Vice.com. Um, I, I believe the title of it is um, The First Animal to Survive in Space, but that might just be the YouTube one. So, um, enjoy. At this point, I had to remove the video from Vice.com for copyright reasons. After the video played, we resumed our conversation. Wow, that was... I don't know about the audience, but if that uh, video didn't floor you the same way that it did me, you obviously don't have the same appreciation of nature that I do, and I, I might be a little bit of a geek on that one, but um, I, that's that's incredible. I, I wanted to invite first, Bob, did you make it through the video? I, we weren't sure if the Skype was going to, to work out through that or not. I, I did. I actually was watching it on YouTube simultaneously. Oh, fantastic. I the video before. I, uh, I, I had the water beer video. Yeah. I, what's funny is um, the, the week I was broadcasting from in Texas was when I had first learned about the tardigrades. And uh, at that time, I met my, my brother's stepkids, and his stepson uh, loves science and nature. He's 11 years old, and, and I told him, and I'm like, if you think that's cool, you should learn about these, these tardigrades, the water bear. These, and I started listing off things off from this, this video and from infographics I've seen, and now I, I get to interview Mike Shaw from the video. So, Mike, are, are you with us? I sure am. Thank you, Greg and Bob, for showing the video. And you can see that it is fascinating. And this is obviously what got me interested in tardigrades. Well, that's what I, I really wanted to ask you about. It. Now, Mike, you are not uh, a scientist traditional or in the traditional sense. No, I am not. I am a ordinary person, and I took an interest in tardigrades. I love science and microscopy and taking photographs. 
And once I became hooked on tardigrades, I realized that there weren't any known in New Jersey, and I decided to do a survey um, identifying the tardigrades that were in the whole state, and I went through all 21 counties, and that's what got me interested in tardigrades. That's just an inspiring story to me. I, uh, I know that a lot of people are intimidated by science to a point where uh, they could never take on such a task, and, and you did it just because you really wanted to. I think that's, that's fantastic. Now, you said in the video that there was a possibility um, you had found a new species. Yes, there is. I sent my paper off to a tardigradologist and the slides, and this tardigradologist looked through the slides and my paper, and he said there is a possibility that um, one of my specimens might be um, a new species. <clears throat> As you know, there are so many undiscovered species of animals that this is not really too unusual. Uh, is there just one, or are there several species currently known? There are about a thousand species known at this point, maybe a little more, and we're discovering new species all the time, but that's not really a lot compared to birds, uh, where there are over 9,000 species. So we don't really know at this point, but we've, we keep finding new species all the time. We did find a tardigrade that was 90 million years old. Wow, I didn't realize that. That, that tardigrade was preserved in amber, and you know, soft tissue doesn't survive and over millions of years, but um, if, if an insect falls into a piece of amber and that becomes fossilized, you can actually see the whole insect. And in this particular case, they did find a tardigrade in there, uh, which was 90 million years old. Wow. Uh, so it doesn't have to be cryptobiotic to uh, be preserved if it's in the amber. That amber out and seeing if it comes back. <laughs> that would, you know, that would be fascinating. Did they, have they ever done anything like that that you're aware of? No. I think they're working on the woolly mammoth right now, which they um, discovered in the ice. That would be better preserved. Um, we haven't really found any DNA of tardigrades that are millions of years old at this point. Yeah, that would be something. And of course, you know, it's unfair because they can sell more tickets to a woolly mammoth. As ordinary as that may be to the, you know, the common uh, biologist, the implications to me uh, of that are fascinating, but that, that tells us something uh, that, you know, uh, about the possibilities of, of life and knowing what life can do over time. That is, uh, to me, that is, uh, that's really wow. Yeah. Well, just that we're here having this conversation is pretty miraculous if you think about it. If you look at the brutality of survival uh, of the generation before us, it was very tough. Antibiotics is a fairly recent discovery. And, you know, a compound fracture a hundred years ago where you had a bone exposed, that was practically a death sentence. Just the fact that we're here is quite miraculous. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting wow. question. I saw that there's also a response to comments that you got. And now this video has over 10 million views on YouTube. I don't know on any other sites if there's there's even more than that. But uh, in your, your response video, you said over 20,000 comments you've gotten on it? Correct. 
besides people looking at the video, some people hit the like button, some people make comments, some are funny, some are serious, some are critical, but someone is interested and I think that's what counts. What are some of the favorite questions that you've been asked about Arctic Grades or about the video that you made? Well, it was pretty interesting if you look at the comments because some people were science versus religion or spirituality versus atheism and it took an interesting turn. The video resonated with a lot of people on uh, in all parts of the spectrum. It was like a battleground a little bit, which is always good in a video when there's a little bit of controversy. So I enjoyed responding to those comments. Well, I have to be honest, that's, that's part of what I, I, was the response video as much as the uh, initial video that made me really want to get you on the show because I think that uh, your ability to straddle the two and to, to discuss it from what seems an objective position where you're not even necessarily taking a side um, is, is incredible to me. I, you know that this show, um, I personally am an atheist and Bob is a theist. Um, so we've had guests on to discuss various different things about um, their religious beliefs, but you're, you're the first person we've had on specific – well, no, I'm sorry. You're the second person we've had to, on to talk about science. Um, but uh, even the other one was uh, using science in a way to prove a deistic god. So do you believe that – first of all, do you, do you identify with any particular religion? That's a great question. And what I like about the question, and I will answer, I promise, what I like about the question is, in a sense, it answers itself when you use the word identify with. I think that's great. It sums up so much more than the question typically is. The question is, do you identify with a particular religion, right? And I, I do promise I will answer the question. Let me just say this. If you said to me, hey, Mike, are you a Ford guy or a Chevy guy? What car do you identify with? I would say, look, I don't identify with any particular vehicle. It's almost like you're coming up with a label which has preconceived notions attached to it. So let's go back to atheist or theist. If a person says, I I'm an atheist. You might have 10 people in the room which have a completely different idea of what an atheist is. And it could even be different than your own idea, the, the idea of the questioner. Same with a theist. If you say, do you believe in God? For sure, everybody in the room has a different concept, a different understanding of what God is. Is God the guy in the sky with the, with the beard on a throne? It's just a word. Is God Jesus Christ, which is the incarnation, uh, God come to earth? Um, is God separate from man? Maybe God is inside us, and we are part of God. It is a very complex question. So I appreciate your asking me, and I'm not trying to avoid answering. So... What I liked is when you said, do you identify with a religion? I'll say no. I don't identify with a specific religion. And I do feel that I am a spiritual person. 
But generally, I try not to identify with anything at all. When you don't identify with something, you're completely free. You walk into a store, you're a customer, the guy behind the counter, uh, he's the clerk. These are labels and roles. So you go into a restaurant, you're a patron, and there's a waiter. Roles. So we typically do this. Um, it's important to do it in society and civilization. But when it comes to spiritual matters, I'm trying to free myself of any roles and being called something in particular. I could say I am a spiritual person. I believe there is something in the cosmos that's beyond our conception. But I wouldn't say, to answer your question, I wouldn't say I identify with a particular religion. You said in the video that uh, the tardigrades uh, are living in the moment and, and that you think that if we could be more like tardigrades and accept life to be what it is, um, that is a, uh, a could be an improvement. And I, I absolutely have to agree with you. Yeah. I want to let you know we did get a for comment as well. When you were talking about the, the labels and, and, and categorization of thoughts in the way that you were, um, that there was a viewer that wrote in to say, wow, those are exactly my thoughts, Mike. So um, you are speaking directly to at least someone in the audience here, and they are really appreciating what you're saying. So thank you again for, for being on this. Um, but Bob, I wanted to give you uh, an opportunity is uh, I, I find uh, sometimes your take on thoughts like what Mike just said uh, to be fascinating. So please, do you have any questions for him oh, or any response? I, I think I just in his last comment, you know, I I, I think that uh, that no matter what we do, we 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 can put ourselves into limits uh, whether we uh, in whether we accept a label or reject a label. Um, and so uh, that's, I think, is one of the reasons why we, we don't want to fix labels. Uh, sometimes labels are just useful for the moment, and so let's use them for that. But uh, so, uh, you know, but just don't fix them because uh, you don't want to dig your heels in and resist the, uh, you know, uh, the, the unfolding of everything, you know. So uh, I guess I, I, I suppose that I'm a kindred in spirit with that uh, do have a label I'm not about ready to abandon it but at the same time I, I don't want to pretend it doesn't limit me you know that's great Bob so I'm curious are you a person of faith uh, yeah I would just I would, I would use that uh, as a way of describing myself a person of faith sure okay so if you wouldn't mind what does that mean for you I just think it would be interesting. I don't mean to get too personal, but what does what does it mean for you being a person of faith? Well, in general, it just means to me that uh, I recognize that uh, there's something very foundational about um, everything that is beyond my uh, um, my sensory perception, and and I am comfortable um, risking the idea that. Uh, that's so, and that I would live my life in in um, awareness of that. No, what that? Bob and I both also describe ourselves as agnostic. Um, and very much. I mean, yeah. Again, it's a, a label, but that's that's a as close to a non-label label as it can be. Um, essentially, stating that any any label that we choose to apply to ourselves is not 
permanent, but as Bob said, it's useful. For example, I, I consider myself an atheist, and that's because uh, the, the the word theos, or the root word, um, they, it means gods uh, or God, and atheist means without gods. I do not believe in any gods. I hold no gods to be existent, um, and that... Uh, or to have ever existed. And it's not that I'm saying that they, they could not have possibly existed. It's that I, I don't find any, or any evidence to believe that they do exist. I agree that the use of the label limits um, to an extent for the same reason that, um, and I, I love using this analogy, I also do not believe dragons exist. Um, but I don't have to call myself an a-dragonist um, because right, there are right. not dragonists around. So um, I think that it's uh, the label atheist, in my perspective, comes almost as a reactionary default. Yes, so I guess I'm saying, does one really even need to do that? Does one need to say, I am, I am an atheist, or I don't believe in God, which is just a concept? It almost seems like you don't even need to say that. As long as dragonists are a, a very, very, very small minority, the default position that's right. accepted to me is that you don't believe in dragons. Uh, but since, as an atheist, I am a minority on the planet, uh, um, the label is still... Helpful, yes. It makes sense. It's, it's helpful. You need, we need to use concepts and words. I get it. You're right. So uh, I wanted to ask you then, uh, the, some of the, the viewers talked about the, uh, the tardigrades um, and asked you questions like, um, is it possible, and I know you even mentioned it in the video, is it possible that this came from space? Um, now, I don't know if you've done any research on this, but there are uh, other somewhat religious theories. I mean, if we, we want to talk about religion as uh, applying to the origin of life, um, the idea of panspermia, the life being seeded here intentionally by aliens or unintentionally through um, random events. Now, you, How do you feel that uh, about that concept, for one, and two, um, do you feel that the tardigrades might tell us, or tardigrades, sorry, might tell us any more about uh, the implications of that kind of thinking? As far as we, we know with, about tardigrades, and we are pretty certain, tardigrades did not come from space. We know genetically that they fall between arthropods and nematodes. How do we know this? Well, Luckily, these days, we can do DNA analysis. And having done that on tardigrades, we see where they fall genetically, and they have DNA similar to other creatures as well as us. So we know that tardigrades originated or evolved on Earth just as all the other species did. It's impossible for that to happen if they came from another galaxy and suddenly landed on this planet as alien life forms. They're not. Comment on that because this is my personal crusade here as a, a biologist. I, I speak uh, quite a bit about the theory of evolution, and this is a fantastic case in point of a, an organism that is capable of living out in the vacuum of space and could potentially, at when we first discovered these things about it potentially have been an extraterrestrial species. Um, it, it's something that we've realized is capable of living that life. But through the, the tool that is the theory of evolution and uh, the, the scientific uh, method applied to the common origins of life, 
we were able to, de- to determine um, that that is not a very likely case. Um, mm-hmm. And beyond that, also say what is a far more likely case as far as where it fits into the tree of life. Just, um, but you said that it's not fully clear yet, right? Well, what's not clear is, let's just say that all life on Earth came from space or outer space. If all life on Earth originated from somewhere else, then tardigrades are included in that, and they did come from space. But we don't know what the origin of life is on Earth. Um, So as far as we know, tardigrades specifically did not come from space. So where do you... Now, this is where I'm asking you to start applying labels here. Whether you you like it or not, I'm going to try to pin you down. Where do you think that life came from? Where... What is the the most likely case? And again, this is not an absolute statement. This is just a matter of opinion. What do you feel is the most likely scenario for how life arose on Earth or in the universe? Even if uh, life came from a on Earth in a different planet, um, obviously, if it came from a different planet, it started there or it started at a different planet at some point. So, what are your thoughts on that subject? Well, part of the question is. Uh, has a built-in supposition that we can even know the answer to that. So we may never know and we may be incapable of knowing the answer to where did all life come from in the universe. And then the second assumption in the question is that there was a time when there was no life and there was a time when there was life. So again, the assumption is, and it's typical, we humans make that because we think in terms of time, beginning and cause and effect. So the assumption of where did life originate in the universe, hold on a second, back up, maybe if the universe is eternal and never-ending, there was always life. Just as we can say there was always matter, if we think that that's the case. So there was no point at which, oh, there's no life, something happened, and there is life. So that's a problem with the question, when did life originate? The assumption is that it wasn't always here. So I have a hard time with that. And I just wonder if you can accept the possibility that we may never know the answer to that question. It could be beyond our comprehension. Yeah, I think it's very likely. In fact, to be honest with you, I think it's more likely that that will be the case, that this would always be a mystery to us. But I also think it's, uh, you know, when we had this other fellow on who was talking about um, you know, black holes and all that, uh, it's possible that within different uh, systemic areas that uh, physics works a little bit differently. And I think it's even possible that within our own system in ways we don't yet understand that, that it's possible life could only really exist in a particular way and may have spontaneously sprung up in various places in, an, in a very identical or organized manner. That's even a possibility uh, because it would be constrained by the, the, the nature of uh, the, the table of, uh, of elements. You know? So we, we, just because we, we may find life elsewhere and discover it's operating on a very similar DNA concept to what we are, and that still doesn't tell us an answer. Right, and then there's another problem. The three of us haven't even agreed on what life is. Is it a bunch of animated matter 
that operates like um, robotically, just a bunch of cells and org, you know, cell or organisms are just chemicals, and we're no real, no different than animals. Or are we pure consciousness that inhabit these bodies? Are we souls and spirits that animate this body? So what is life? Or is is there one consciousness? And we are a manifestation of it, sort of a cosmic jiggle. And right now the three of us are talking, but it's an illusion of this greater consciousness that we call life. So we haven't even defined that amongst the three of us. So that adds another problem. Sorry to throw that in there. You're, you're almost harking back to... Uh... Our friend Nick, who was on the show a few weeks back, thinking that the entire multiverse is a single conscious entity. Um, it's, it's funny how that's come full circle. Right. And we haven't agreed on any of that. And so how do you look at this thing? How did life begin or when did life begin? I kind of put it in the category of fun. You know, it's interesting to look at. I don't mean to trivialize it, but um, it's tough for me to get overly overly serious over something that I feel we may never know the answer to. But if we subscribe to the, the idea that uh, it might not be known and therefore it's it's uh, nothing more than a uh, entertainment exercise, um, I think that that, yeah. that would have hindered a lot of the scientific process. Think about what we know now no. about living in the universe. Um, if people had said, well, we might not ever know, so should we even consider it? I think it's should, Greg, because I think it's important to realize that, uh, all true, over time, the world of science has taken a number of things that used to be in the domain of unknowable, and as soon as we found a way of objectively observing and measuring and determining uh, with repeatable, uh, that certain things can now be measured, uh, that, that that's opened up our eyes, but we, but I think it's important for us to keep in balance that we haven't figured out how to measure something. I never forget the time when someone told me how to measure the weight of smoke, you know. <laughs> You've heard that, haven't you? The, you know, how to yeah, measure yeah. the weight. And, you know, the, 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 and when you first think about it, it's like, well, how would you do that? And then when you just find there's a way of measuring smoke or whatever, but... You know, so I think it's I think it's healthy to realize that there are some things that are within the domain of uh, of knowable, and some things that are in the domain of unknowable, and we also have no clue what will move from one domain to the other. Yes, you're absolutely right. I I agree. I agree. It's important to look at all of these things, to look at everything. Not the 50-minute show, and that could be a 50-year show. And that's what I love about it. It's such a fascinating concept to, to discuss the, the philosophies of life and, and all the questions that are there. But uh, I, I think for, for the practical intents and purposes, we, we need to limit conversations to, to some extent um, to keep it, I, I guess, concise. So... I, I, the question I really meant to ask you, Mike, was do you believe that life, regardless of how we define life, um, life meaning a, a self-replicating molecule um, or a, a, we could go by the biological definition of life, talking about something that, that contains homeostasis, that self-replicates, that uh, a response to stimuli, 
or, or we could go with a, a more uh, metaphysical or religious definition of life. Regardless, in, in any sense of the word, do you believe that life was capable of coming about in the universe without a outside source, a divine intervention of sorts, or do you believe in a god, a creator of some sort? Okay, please forgive me, and I'm not avoiding an answer, but there's another built-in assumption in your question, and the assumption is that one of time. First there's this, then there's that, cause and effect. Um, so you're assuming there was a time pre-life and a time after when life life came about. So there's a thing called time. And now if you look at the idea of eternity, which is forever and ever, it almost runs contrary to time the way you're posing it with cause and effect. Let me just quickly explain. I don't want to be confusing. But the question is, why is there anything, why is there something rather than nothing? So the first question is, how is it that we're just, there's existence, that there is something rather than nothing at all? That's a fantastic uh, concept there. Um, the, the why is there something rather than nothing? Uh, it's, it's something that I've seen come up quite a bit in my, uh, uh, my frequent conversations um, on, on this subject and more uh, generally on, on Facebook or online forums, but uh, um, the, I think that that is begging a question. So something rather than nothing is the first question. So then you come along and say, well, one thing, then another thing, you haven't even answered the first question. So if you can't tell me why there's something rather than nothing, then how can we discuss what came first in the universe when we don't even know why there is a universe rather than nothing whatsoever. So I have a hard time looking back at the beginning of what we call time or the beginning of the universe when we don't even know why there is such a thing as a universe. There was a reason for it to exist and by reason I think I, what I mean by we're begging the question is it seems as though there's a, a bit of a, an ultimate reason connotation behind that. A, uh, uh, what was there a, a intention behind it? Um, I, I think that uh, the, the assumption that there's a uh, conscious reason behind something, an intention, a meaning to it. There was a, I noticed in your uh, responses to criticism, somebody had said that the meaning of life is to to propagate life, essentially. I don't remember the exact wording, but... And you they scoffed at it to some extent. Well, that is the meaning for those that propagate life. The meaning of life is to propagate life. For them, that is their meaning. Well, I, I, I think it depends on what you mean by meaning. That's what I'm getting at, is from, from a biological standpoint, the only meaning of life, looking at it from a, a pure, the function of life is to live, and that's it. And therefore, um, the only way that that can continue is if it, it propagates itself, since nothing is immortal. Therefore, on, on a biological level, the meaning of life is to live. Now, as a human, with a consciousness and, and wants and desires and emotions, 
I find so much more meaning in life, but that doesn't mean that meaning lies somewhere outside of my consciousness. Exactly. Well said. So the meaning of life is the meaning that we give it as individuals. We assign the meaning to life. We, we make life meaningful for ourselves. You give an opportunity to our guests to make any sort of closing statements or if there's anything that we left out, we didn't have to give you the opportunity to talk about that you really wanted to while you were on this show. Plug your website, anything you'd like as well. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate this time and this interview. It's been great. I do have a book out called Kids and Teachers Tardigrade Science Project Book. And that's available basically in bookstores and Amazon. So my Tardigrade website is www.tardigrade.us. And to learn more about Tardigrades and how you can use Tardigrades and science in the classroom, I have another website called um, teachscience.us. So teachscience.us is my uh, educational website. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Is there good to have you with us? Yeah. Is there anything else for any viewers who might be interested in learning more about the? Um, sorry, a viewer comment. Who is God's mama? If there's a viewer who wants to learn more about uh, what you've been talking about, whether that means about tardigrades or about any of the things um, that you've spoken about a little bit philosophically, I imagine that that didn't all come yourself so are there any major influences any the recommended reading things that you could point people to if they, they wanted to learn more about some of the questions that you've been asked and i also have a spiritual website called pathlesspath.org pathlesspath.org because there is no path to truth and we have to find our own path so that's my other website. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Mike. Um, I, we you. do need to go. The, our time is up. Bob, is there anything you wanted to say at the end of the show? No, just it was fascinating. I, I, I think Mike is a delightful person, and his, his curiosity about these tardigrades, it's just, it's just fascinating, and, and it, is, it is unsearchable, and just, just I, I, wonderful to know, and it gives us a lot of fun questions, I think. It really does. I think that your pursuit is admirable, your passion for what you do is inspiring, and we thank you for being on the show. This has been absolutely fantastic. I hope our, our viewers have enjoyed it as much as we do, uh, and I, it's it's been a great time, so thank you again for joining us. And I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I want to thank you both for that, um, for this opportunity to be with you and share this moment, so thank you so much. Join us again next week for Inspiring Honesty. Uh, we'll be on at 6 o'clock, and I don't know who our guest will be next time. So, Mike, thank you again for joining us. You have a great night. And that's a wrap-up for today's Tardigrade Podcast. Thanks for listening.